We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. That's so funny. In the beginning of quarantine, I was like, I'm going to learn French. And then instead, I just got herpes. <laughs> What up, guys? Welcome back to Don't Tell Mom. This is Hannah Dickinson, and it's Wednesday night. I'm getting after this pretty late. Sorry about that. I uh, I went on a date tonight. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say for now. And, uh, yeah, I know. I keep saying I'm going to be celibate for the rest of my life, and then every time I call on this podcast, I'm like, you know, I did go on a date. But here I am alone in my bedroom, so <clears throat> we won't talk about it. I went to the Cape this weekend. It was it was nice. I hung out with my brother and my friend from college who happened to be dating for five years. It's good for them. They're really happy. They live together now. When I set them up, I didn't actually think they would date for five days, let alone five years. So the joke is kind of on me at this point because I'm alone. Meanwhile, all my friends are fucking getting married. And even though there's no wedding that I'm invited to, which is fine, I still feel obligated to donate to the registry, which I think is fucking ridiculous that suddenly my friend's getting married and I'm like, I've been in your apartment. You're a Tarjay gal. And now suddenly you're getting married and we're doing West Elm. We're doing William and Sonoma? No. Why does suddenly you get married and you have cuisine art? Like, why do you get to have an automatic mixer? Why do you get to mix bread without your hands because you fucking get married? Bitch, there are four hands in that household. You should be fucking mixing it with your hands. Anyway, how I do registries now is I go on and I sort from low to high price. And then I scroll down to how long I think they will be married or until I hit $50. And then I'm like, got them. But it is interesting to me that on every wedding registry, there's always one item that's like $1.85 for this dish towel. I'm like, yeah, that's for the biggest piece of shit friend. And that friend is me. <laughs> Fully, I was like, can I just get someone a dish towel? Can I just send that to their house? The shipping is more. I don't know, this weekend we were talking a lot about, my family and I we were talking a lot about taking a man's last name because we have a family friend and her fiance is taking her last name, 
which I gotta be honest, I feel like that's kind of a bitch move, but then I was like, the feminist in me is like, wow, good for him, good for her, that's so amazing, but then the everything else in me is like, what the fuck are you doing, dude, you're taking a woman's last name, but I don't know, I think I would only take a last name if it was cooler, like my boyfriend in college, I don't want to say his last name because that feels aggressive but it was a really cool last name and I was like I would 100% take his last name over mine even if I had made a name for myself I would have taken his last name because it was cooler so I I think I would still take a guy's last name but it's got to be cooler like I'm not going to be Hannah Smith for sure but I would be you know something strong also a lot of people ask me if my last name Dickinson is a stage name because it has the word dick in it and the answer is no. Dickinson's not like a, ooh, sexual last name. There's a fucking Dickinson on the Constitution, right? I think. Whatever. But what I'm saying is, obviously, if I was going to make a stage name with the word dick in it, it wouldn't be Dickinson. There's a college that's a Dickinson. There's a fucking jelly that's a Dickinson. It is unfortunate that my last name has dick in it, for sure. This weekend, I also realized that we call my grandfather Daddy Bob, which, by the way, wasn't weird until, like, 2018. Daddy Bob, can I borrow some money? Daddy Bob! You know, it sounds very sexual. This 92-year-old man who I'm just eating at a steakhouse with, it's like, Daddy Bob? You know when someone points something out that's odd and that's all you can think about now? So now every time I, like, go to talk to my grandfather, I'm like, Daddy Bob? This is so fucking weird. That was my weekend. I asked him if he wanted to play cards with me, and he said no. And I said, oh, are you tired? And he said no. So I think I'm not the favorite grandchild. I was my grandmother's favorite. Unfortunately, she passed away, but she was very funny. So, because my grandmother and I were a lot of like, we we're very sarcastic, very rude. I just remember in high school, I was going for a run because I did that in high school. And it was like eight o'clock at night. And my mom was like, you're going to go for a run at night. And then my grandmother just goes, Hannah, just remember one thing. If you get raped, just lay there and enjoy it. And I was like, fucking Christ. And that is my memory of my grandmother. So anytime anyone's like, your comedy is kind of offensive, I'm like, it could be worse. Whew. My guest today is very funny comic, Kelsey Cook. She's awesome. Super funny. She's really down to earth and uh, really sweet. And I'm really excited that she came on. So let's get into it. And do you have siblings? I do. Yeah, I have a younger brother uh, and then a younger stepsister and a younger half-brother. And you're, like, the oldest, too. Yeah. Because you're very, you have very warm energy. Oh, very thank you. Too, whereas, like, a lot of comics are not like that. Do you know <laughs> A lot yeah. of funny comics are not kind. <laughs> or not, not kind. I don't consider myself, like, a very warm person, but it's because I have such bad anxiety. I'm so afraid that someone's going to hate me. Oh, okay. I mean, I also, I have terrible anxiety too, but I'm glad that you, that, that may, you know, makes me feel really nice that you feel like my energy I give off is warm. I appreciate that. Because I feel like I saw you once at the stand and I'm always like, I don't know if I should say hi to this person because I don't know if they know me that well. And they're going to yeah. think it's weird if I'm like, hey, how are you? But you're like, right. hey, how are you? <laughs> you had just filmed your Tonight Show thing and obviously you were overwhelmed with that. And I was like, wow, I just should have said hello. Of course we know each other. But I'm like, oh. so in my head, like, I don't know if Kelsey knows my name. So I'm just not gonna put that pressure. Oh. That's how I feel when I meet someone I kind of know. I'm like, I don't want to put the pressure on them to like know my name. Right. <laughs> they're like, fuck, who is this? I'm like, I'm just not gonna say hello. But then that comes across as really rude. It's totally okay. I mean, I think, especially in New York, there's such that different energy where people don't expect you to really be warm or maybe start up conversation. But 
you were talking about before we started recording about that kind of inherent competition between female comedians where somebody put it really well the other day. They talked about that it feels like the seesaw mentality where if you see another female comedian doing well, sometimes you automatically assume that if they go up that you're going down, which isn't the case at all. But that something happens in our minds where we're so competitive where we're like, oh, well, if they did that or they got that, then that means I'm down or something. And it's not, not like true. that. But you had mentioned something about what you thought of me. And I just thought I would tell you, I mean, you and I haven't performed live together often at all, but I remember the first time I saw you, we were on, it might've been a JFL showcase together like years ago, but I hadn't heard of you before and you were so funny. And I remember thinking like, fuck, she's really good and she's beautiful. And, uh, you know, you immediately became somebody in my head of like, oh man, and she's like young too. Like she's going to be she's going to be really, really fucking good. And so anyway, just a little, everybody needs a little ego boost in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, Well, what's funny is we talk about this female competition, but um, I don't think it's out of nowhere because when I auditioned last year for JFL, Jeff Singer told my manager, like, you know, Hannah's never going to be a new face because we already have Amy Schumer. So she's kind of like too much like Amy Schumer or like a Nikki Glaser. And it's like, okay, well, those are two different comedians right there. And they're both successful. So for you to be like, she's never going to be a new face because she's too much like them. I'm like, how many fat white guys are there talking about their wives and eating out of the fridge? Like, I I don't understand. That's so sexist. Oh, I'm sorry. in In our heads, that kind of for me was like, honestly, fuck this like industry bullshit and like just try to be as funny as possible because people are going to say shit and and comedy is so subjective where it's like, you know, what's funny to one person isn't to another. So ultimately you're not going to please everyone and people are going to say shit to you all the time. But of course, yeah, I see a lot of comedians who have become super, super successful and you look at their fan base and they aren't necessarily for everybody, but that's okay because they've found their people that are for them and that's sometimes all you really need is just like a solid group of people that are really in love with you and your comedy but you don't have to appeal to to everybody what's your fan base like oh god how do you describe them (laughs) well uh, i feel like my path to building a fan base has been kind of interesting because when i moved to la about six years ago i right away started touring with jim norton and i toured with him for three years and i i love him and i love his fan base so much but they're like his fan base are (laughs) the most i call them like godless animals which are so they're so fun to perform to because they're like the least PC people left on the planet. Like you can say anything and nobody's getting a tight butthole about it, which is so fun to go up there and yeah. just feel like you can be yourself. In fact, I, feel, I felt like his audiences wanted you to be as like raw and like sometimes as filthy as you wanted to be. So it's, I literally just texted Jim a few days ago because I posted a, a bikini photo on Instagram and one of the comments was, I want to stick my thing between those little puppies or something like that about like my feet. <laughs> like somebody wants to, you know, and Wait, I did just, you say you posted the, the picture of a bikini and someone talked about your feet. Yes. Nice. Yes. Yeah. That's all Some dude for. foot fetish. Yeah. 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 Someone also, somebody's like the first comment that was left on my bikini photo was like, how are your bowel movements? <laughs> I saw that and I laughed out loud because I feel like people comment shit like that on mine too. I'm like, all right. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So 
anyway, I, uh, I screenshotted the one about the dude wanting to fuck my feet and sent it to Jim and was like, man, like touring with you for three years gave me some real A plus fans. People who are just, you know, so they want to fuck your feet. They want to fuck my feet. It's, you know, and I, I've learned in the past year that I'm on wiki feet. I didn't know wiki feet was a thing, but I only have like rats. Thank you so much. But it's kind of sad because I only have a, like a 3.2 out of five stars Ooh. rating, which they call literally okay feet. It's just the letters okay. <laughs> like okay feet. And so <laughs> I mean, criticisms. What could they, what, what's wrong with them? I don't think they put specific criticism. It's just like you can just give it a like a rating of one to five stars. And so that's collectively what that community has given my feet. I'm at a 3.2. I've never thought anything on my feet. I think they're fine. I guess I also think they're okay. Like, (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Would I want to jerk off to them? I don't think so. If I were to do, I don't fucking know. I I also don't have a foot fetish. But anyway, we're talking about like building a fan base. So if you go on your Instagram, a lot of times you can see in like the insights page, what your fan breakdown is, like what the gender is. And so mine is 70% male, 30% female. And I think a lot of that came from touring with Jim because that was a very male dominated fan base. But now, I mean, when I'm on the road, it's hard. We, before we started recording, we talked about that. I got divorced at the beginning of COVID. I feel like I tend to attract a lot of couples at live shows because A, I was with somebody for eight years. So I had a lot of relationship jokes, but I also have always tried to be mindful of making sure my jokes, the majority of them can be relatable to both genders. I don't like to go up and do too much of like (laughs) ladies, like now, like I don't, I've never felt like that. never really wanted to do that. There are some things that are more like, I have a joke about getting Brazilian waxes during quarantine and stuff like that. And obviously like women are going to relate more to that, but I want it to still be funny for the dudes. I just, I never want to like isolate anybody, if that makes sense. No, totally. I, I try not to as well, but then I, you know, I usually do, but it's not always men to women that I, I don't isolate men. Cause I feel like I toe the line of like being a little offensive and I right. realized that with the Epic special, I got like really dark at the end and, um, I lost a lot of people. Let's just say that. <laughs> it was like, can you talk oh, about what you were saying that that was doing that? Yeah. Um, I have, I got herpes from the last guy I dated and he like lied and, um, gave me herpes. So that was another thing I was going through in quarantine. I like thought I was going to kill myself and it was like very dark. Um, Oh my God. I am so sorry. Thank you. It's okay. Uh, it was amazing to talk about it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm just such an open person that I feel like not talking about it makes me, um, I was like, there's such a stigma around herpes that if I don't talk about it, then I'm yeah. giving into the stigma being like, this is so disgusting. I can never tell anyone. Whereas if right. I talk about it, like this is so common. Right. People will feel less alone. And like when I got it, I didn't get it off a one night stand. I got it with a guy that I was dating who lied about his partners. And then as I got sick, continued to ghost me and continued to lie. Uh, <sighs> and I was dating him to get over the guy who had dumped me at the very, very beginning of, qu- of quarantine. It was just like back to back, just like, punch in the face and I was just so depressed and then I was like fuck it I'm gonna talk about it and I was like writing jokes because it was the only thing I could write jokes about because it was like consuming my mind right right 
Yeah. And uh, I think at first it was like very jarring. <laughs> People were like, Ugh. I was like, raise your hand if you have herpes. And of course no one fucking raised their hand. I was like, you guys right. are all liars. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. then once I acknowledged, I was like, fuck all of you, like all this stuff. Then they like got on board and were like laughing at the jokes. But I think, yeah, yeah I think that that was definitely a polarizing opinion. Sure. Like yeah. To talk yeah. about because it makes people uncomfortable. But I think it's bullshit that it does because it's like right. this is a disease that a or disease. I don't even know if you can call it that. This is an STD. A lot of people have, it, but because it's, it's technically STD. a disease. Yeah, it's sexually transmitted disease. It's yeah, that's in the title. Yeah, but it feels like to be like, uh, yes, I contracted herpes. It's like no, you didn't. You like got it in an alley. <laughs> you know, like you know, like right, that, like diagnosed. No one's like right, right. For you, it happens, and like people get it from other people. You don't get it by like fucking a trash can i mean you do but it's like a human version of <laughs> oh my god you get it by fucking liars you know so please so tell me that that's a line is that a line in the special because i really hope it it's, is it's not but so you now need to add like, it yeah, yeah. Add, it. add that in the thing with really the epic fun. thing it was newer a bit and i was like i'm just gonna end on this because i don't care and it, it it lost a few well you're so not alone in trying new shit on the special because for those of you who don't know Hannah and I taped comedy specials like a month ago right in the heart of quarantine and and COVID and stuff we did it outside socially distance all these things but as comics we hadn't been performing for months and so if you were writing during quarantine you have new things that you want to talk about and you want to say but you have not been able to go run them on people and try them out so I also was doing I mean I so I got divorced a week before COVID hit and so much of my act was about being married and, and being in a relationship. And then all of a sudden I book a special and I'm like, well, I can't just keep doing all that, but I don't want to do 100% like has 30 minutes of jokes that have never been done. So I had to write a divorce joke to open with of like setting the tone, like this happened. So that yeah. was brand new. And then I had a bunch of other shit that was like new. And then I had to repurpose some of the older relationship stuff and frame it with like when my ex and I lived together, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, I didn't want to go up there and pretend like none of that had happened. Cause it's like, that was like months prior to that. I couldn't just go keep, you know, be like, eh, I'm married. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't. Yeah, Cause if you're not connected to the material, it just comes across as so flat. So you're right. like, was your opener what the one you had on your Instagram about because you posted a divorce joke and I was like, oh, that's great. And I do oh, feel like you. too, with like a divorce, it's like people relate to that. And especially I'm sure right now. So it's like, you are not that it's worth a divorce or the hardship you went through, but to not talk about it is like, it's not helping any, like you might as well no. talk about it. Even if it doesn't get your biggest laugh, it's still like relatable and something that's going on with your life and sets the tone for the whole set. Right. Well, and it's been like six months. It's been like half a year. And oh it got, got to a point where it was like, you know, I did that virtual show and they sent me um, that clip from it if I wanted to promote or not. And I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been half a year. Why not post this and talk about it? And I could not believe how many people messaged me that were just like regular followers of mine saying like I also went through a divorce at the beginning of COVID or like I just went through one thank you so much for talking about it but I was shocked at like there were a few comedians who reached out to me saying hey I also went through a divorce at the beginning of COVID or I'm like in the process of it thank you so much for just talking about it and being open and honest because now I feel less alone and then I felt less alone like it was 
I'm so glad I did that because yeah. it's a little scary to hit post, to hit publish on that post. Yeah. It's like in your drafts for like a week and you're like, <laughs> do I? You're like saying it to friends. You're like, is this too much? Yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, fuck it. And I'm, I'm really glad I did even just for like the human connection aspect of it, of having some more people in my life now to talk about it with that I would have never thought we're going through that. Yeah. Especially too, like what you were saying earlier, you know, you were feeling like, you know, going through a divorce at the beginning of quarantine, you can't talk to people or have people around you. Now you do, or have people going through what you're going through. Yeah. And even talking about herpes, like I had someone on the team of epics come into my dressing room and be like, I haven't told anyone. I've had it for five years. And she was like, I'm so ashamed by it. So thanks for talking about it. She's like, I can't even tell my best friends. They're so judgmental. And I was like, it's yeah, it's like, and then you're like, oh, cool. It's this weird connection of like, you're going through this horrible thing. And other people are like, also going through it, it just makes it more, I mean, neither one are like, unacceptable but it feels that way because we've lived in a society where it's like you have to present yourself in the best light or like everything has to be perfect when it's like that's not actually no one's living a perfect life no and if you want to be able to talk about what you're actually going through as opposed to like suppressing it yeah I feel like generally you're rewarded for being more honest and even if it's stuff that you are like fuck maybe this isn't this isn't like this shiny glittery fun topic to, to talk about but most people's lives aren't shiny and glittery and fun and they want somebody who's going to step up and talk about it so that they can go, oh, thank fucking God I'm not the only person going through this. And then, yeah, you, you need it. And I also thought the way you talked about your ex-husband, you did it in such a way that was like, I hate when people go on stage and they're like, my shitty this person. Like you talked, like it seemed like a pos- not positive decision, but like, you know what I mean? Like a healthy decision. Yeah. Someone who feels that way, maybe they want to leave or like get separated or whatever. And they feel like this pressure. So yeah, like, to talk about it. Thanks. He and I got so fortunate that that's how we were able to end things. Cause I know that's not always the case, but um, yeah, thank you for saying that. Cause I was afraid to, <laughs> that's why I wanted to do it at the very beginning of the set to let people know, like in a way, if I talk about him, I'm not coming from that typical divorce energy of like, fuck this guy. Like I'm going to talk about that. I didn't want to eat his ass when we were together. Cause the, it's like, if I'm joking about not wanting to eat his ass, it's not because I'm coming up here to like talk shit. Cause xyz it's like literally i was doing these jokes while we were together like and i still have so much love for him like i didn't want any jokes about him yes because that is when crowds are like oh like this is uncomfortable because she seems bitter like nobody wants to watch a comic man or woman because you've seen i've seen male comics go and be like my fucking ex-wife such a bitch like no one likes that that just feels weird and like like so clearly that person just needs a therapy session and instead it's like just spewing venom on stage so uh yeah I'm fortunate that we ended the way we did but um yeah I wanted to make it really clear (laughs) talking about it on stage like if I make jokes about us it's like from a place of love it is not from bitterness no totally I went on a date with a guy who was 39 this was so long ago but he was 39 I was like oh I'm gonna go older you know try to find a more mature guy yeah but he was talking about a breakup. He had lived with a girl. They broke up. And he was talking about it from 10 years ago. And he was still so bitter about this breakup, the way he was talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to say it's not her. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it was not this girl and it was you. He was like, 
yeah, I like dropped all her stuff in a place in Harlem just so she'd have to go and travel and get it. And I'm like, that was 10 years ago, dude. Like, why are you still seething while telling this mean story about dropping all our shit in Harlem? I was like, no, no part of me. And then he's like, you want to go out again? I was like, no, I don't want my <laughs> shit in Harlem. Like, <laughs> yeah. and Thank also, you. like, this woman, where is she? Hopefully not in your freezer. Like, for real. so mad. Well, yeah, and it's almost like he gave you a preview of the movie that your relationship would be. It's like, thank you for that sneak peek, but yeah, I don't need to see how that movie ends with us, because it sounds yeah. like you would be terrible, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm good with that. Well, because you said your parents are divorced, but did, did they get divorced when you were in high school, or when you were still at home, or like when you were older? I, I was young. I was, um, I think like five and a half, almost six, and uh, yeah, I was young, and that's a tough age because you're old enough to know what your family is. Like you're old enough to understand like, this is my mom, this is my dad, this is my house, but you're not old enough to understand why things wouldn't work out between two adults. And, you know, I've had to do still working on it in therapy about self-worth things because my dad left to go be with another woman. And so that's, you know, he married my, my stepmom and uh, when you're a kid, you, you have no other way to cope other than to assume that it's like you, like that, like you weren't good enough to be loved full time, that like this person's okay with only seeing you part of the time for the rest of your life. So even though as an adult now, and as somebody who's like, you know, gone through my own divorce, you totally see people as like just flawed humans. Everybody's just human. But as yeah. a child, you just look at your parents as like gods. So if they can't do anything wrong, it must be you. So I've been trying to work on that in adulthood of repairing my sense of self-worth and, you know, the, the myriad of reasons why we become comedians with all of our different traumas and stuff like that. But yeah, trying to have um, better self-worth. Yeah, no, totally. I'm my really good friend in college when her dad left for another family as well. And um, she was four or five around that age. And she took it the hardest because she said the same thing. Yeah. But she was also one of the funniest people I've ever met. So I'm like, <laughs> is, that, is that the key to being? Hey, yeah. <laughs> also, my friend, her parents went through a divorce when she was in college. Uh-huh. And I feel like, too, when you're our age, my friends who have, whose parents are going through a divorce later, that seems to hit really hard as well. I mean, I'm sure it's never yeah. easy. But right. for when you're adults, you're like, you kind of have to step in and be the moderator. So you see your parents in a different light of like now you're helping them through this and they're leaning on you. But yeah. um, when did you decide you want to do comedy? Like yeah. were you always just like funny and like non-emotional? Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've never been like emotional. I've been like, haha, like your dick's out, you know? Like I've never like, I love you. I feel like I've been pretty uh, like in touch with the emotions and stuff like that. But I, I feel like just like a bunch of embarrassing stuff would happen to me growing up. And the way I would get through was I would tell it to my friends and just like make them laugh and it would make me laugh and it felt better. But I didn't think that pursuing comedy was even an option. I thought I was going to be a high school math teacher at the school that I went to. That, was, this, like, that was your goal in high school was like, I'm going to fuck hot kids. <laughs> that was my goal in college. I got... I didn't change my major until like halfway through college. I, my first half of college, I was a math major and oh, thought wow. I was gonna teach high school math and really like super big on, cause to me that like wasn't a risk. It's like, okay, I'm going to get this degree and then I'm going to go teach in my hometown that I love. And I'm just going to like keep it real, <laughs> real low risk. And I got to, um, 
like calculus three and I just hated it. My brain was leaking out of my ears because they don't let, if you want to teach high school math, you don't just get to like learn the math that you want to teach. They make you get, basically felt like you're going to get like a PhD in math. It's like, I don't want it. Things with math sometimes get to a point where you're, it's so far from just like algebra that you're like, I don't, I'm not building a spaceship. Like I don't have any desire to learn these things. And so um, I just was Literally when you say calculus three, I was like, there's a calculus three. (laughs) Yeah, there's a three. And um, it was taught by this professor who had like a really heavy, heavy Russian accent, barely spoke English and we were just, I felt like my classmates and I, we were just trying to teach ourselves calculus three from the book. And it was, we were like drowning. It was horrible. So I, I kind of hit a point where I was like, this just can't be what I'm supposed to do. I'm not happy. And then I started going to my college had an improv troupe. And so I would go to some of the improv shows and just watch. And I, I loved it. And then I knew that a few of those people went to a monthly open mic at the college cafeteria, which is like, worst place to start comedy but I went with them and I I had some friends come to my first open mic and I just feel like if you do even marginally well the first time you get up it's so addicting and um, from there I I just did a few of those monthly open mics I ended up getting like an internship in LA came down here did some really shitty bringer shows just had to sucks your soul yeah I know you're like paying for people's tickets oh get five minutes brutal just like 20 years old have no idea what the fuck I'm doing and then I went back up for my senior year uh at WSU and started a weekly show at a bar up there and that was a lot better for me to have pressure every week to like be writing new things for this crowd and um yeah so that's kind of like your major too I switched it to broadcast production so um like a lot of video editing a lot of a lot of the people in my graduating class went on to be like behind the scenes of local news teams, like camera operator, you know, just like, yeah, I, I knew I didn't want to do any of that, but I liked, I liked the video editing. I still love video editing, but yeah, I ended up minoring in math and French and then having the broadcast production. Uh, as Are, the you, major. Are you fluent in French? Well, I used to be more, but I don't really have a reason to speak it anymore, but my mom was my high school French teacher. And then I, minored in it so I'm still okay at understanding people when they speak or yeah reading it but me speaking it is a, a lot more rough that's so funny in the beginning of quarantine I was like I'm gonna learn French and then instead I just got herpes so that's <laughs> <laughs> I was like great uh did not learn French I can't even say I say like bonjour that I went to Paris with my friends and we walked in this uh like really cute I love Paris so much yeah. into, like this clothing shop I was like, she's like, you know, spoke her little French. That was beautiful. And I was like, oh, bonjour. And she was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, go look around. She just knew from my bonjour that I was straight up from Florida at that point. Right. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Her pays, you know. So a, little, <laughs> yeah. a little accent on that E, you know. French it up. <laughs> they do sell sweatshirts that say her pays that look like Hermes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> I get a so knockoff funny. sweatshirt. Yeah, I do feel like, though, that I don't know if you relate to this, but writing a joke is kind of like a math problem when you like you break it down. And like, I've always said that I was dance team in high school. And like, weirdly, that timing has helped me in comedy because it's like all beats. 
Yes. So it's oh, like, that's oh, so any way to be, or like, I'll like count it out. Not really, but it's like, if you have rhythm you or whatever, it. it helps with a joke. And it's like the same thing, I'm sure, with math. It's kind of like solving an equation, like a Mad Lib. You're like, how can I go from A to C without, with people understanding? Yes. Right? That's, that's, yeah. That's like abs- too dorky of way of uh describing it but oh my god I'm fucking all about it. I get such a nerd boner for that shit I love it yeah like I usually if I'm writing a joke I will start on paper and just kind of like try to word vomit it out but then when I clean it up I always put it in a word document and type it out and for things like anytime I've done a late night set I type it out word for word go through and try to find like just word economy wise like do I need that word do I need that word? Take it out. And then I will highlight in a different color where the laugh is, like where I want the laugh to be. And if I, I have to try to make sure that I'm like getting enough, I don't want to see like too long of a period of time without a laugh, especially for like a, like a late night set that's five minutes. Oh, that's so smart. I'm like, I should start doing that. I might steal your little technique. It's really good. But that's because you're A type, right? I guess. Very type A. Yeah, it helps it helps me see it that way. And I think um that was just a big transition for me in comedy was if I look at my stuff from maybe like, I don't know, five years ago. I, I didn't have a sense of word economy, it felt like. I would take too long to get to a punchline. Like if you were to highlight a 30 minute set of mine and where the laughs were, too much time between laughs and then when I started to really focus on okay I really want to do the tonight show like this is a goal of mine I'm really going to hunker down and try my best to make this happen that's when it started to be like okay a four and a half minute set like you need to make it as laugh heavy as possible because it's such a short period of time so that's when I started to like really write things out and I think it's helped me for longer sets now too because you kind of start to hold yourself to a higher standard of like well, if this is how many I'm getting in five minutes, why wouldn't I want to try to get that for every five minutes within a 60 minute set? Like, you know. Totally. But I throw stuff out way too soon. Like if it doesn't, I used to like, if it didn't get a laugh on the first time I tried it, I wouldn't like do it again. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for, yeah. I would do that too, like doing a setup that was too long, but I thought I would have jokes in the setup. Like at open mics, I'd be like, no, no, those are jokes too. That's not just the setup. And then <laughs> we're like, oh, we're not seeing that. But it is like, <laughs> You leave an open mic after like writing all day and doing yes. five new minutes and you leave with like one joke and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like today was <laughs> such a waste. <laughs> right. Oh, so fucking hard. But yeah. Jared Goldstein once said, which I think is so funny, like to be an actor, you have to be okay with looking stupid and to mm-hmm. be a comic, you have to be okay with wasting time because you write oh. so much and you're yeah. like, wow, I have one joke after writing for so long totally yeah that's such a great way to put it and you also have to be willing to look stupid as a comic (laughs) yeah that's true you're the butt of the joke and you have to be willing to potentially have shit bomb like if you're gonna go try new stuff there's no way around if something's not gonna work sometimes you have to like feel it not work in order for you to either throw it out or change it or whatever it's I don't know if you're I'm a big perfectionist and again being type a like that was hard for me because I totally. used to do that too, where it's like, oh, if it didn't get a laugh the first time, I was like, oh my God, I can never feel that feeling again. I have to just like bury it and pretend like that never happened. But it's, yeah, try to be a yeah. little bit, try to be a little bit better about that now, but it's hard. Eating shit the whole time. You're like, all right, this is it. But it's like, that's when you realize you're like a comic is when you're, when you're up there just eating shit and you're like, fuck it. Like, this is it. 
trying some new stuff yeah yeah what did your parents think when you were like all right I'm gonna do comedy because your mom's your mom was a teacher and you're like I'm not gonna be a teacher with you I'm gonna go do this thing yeah both of them I think I remember my mom being like okay with it initially my dad is a professional musician and so he was excited for me to be pursuing a career that seemed more stable and more secure. Even though it's not like teaching pays a lot, but it was just like, I know my daughter's going to be getting this degree and then she's going to go get this job and it's going to, she'll be okay. Whereas he went the route of pursuing his dream. And with that comes a, like sometimes a rockier path. So when I told him I was going to pursue comedy, I was like, what? Like, what? why would you do this to yourself and to our family? Like, this is, sounds like such a terrible idea. But then once, once like more things started happening for me and I was making money, then he, I think he got more on board and now I'm very lucky that both of them are big fans and, and watch my stuff. I told my dad not to watch the Comedy Central, this is not happening story where I masturbated. <laughs> Thank you. I, that was one thing that I was like, you don't need to see that. Like you don't you need think to think he know. watched it and just didn't bring it up? I'm sure he did. Just because yeah. it's. Well, it's like, if you tell somebody not to do something, it's kind of like guaranteeing that they're going to. I'm glad I still told him not to, because it's like, I don't want him to think that I'm like, yeah, I have no problem with you watching that. Like, that's weird to me. I don't need him to know that much about what happened to my pussy when I was 17. But, you know, it is what well, it is. Well, it's funny, because that story did awesome on YouTube. It was oh, like thank you. the most watched. And so during a meeting, your face came up, and it was the frame that it was like, watch this, so whatever the YouTube frame is. Oh, yeah. You know, like, without seeing the video, why do you think it got so many clicks? And I was like, because Kelsey's really hot. <laughs> and, <they're> like, <laughs> and also, if it's funny, people shared it. Like, that's how that works. But then, yeah. Because like, we're trying to figure out thumbnails. And <laughs> okay. your video was, like, one of the most watched videos. And they're like, what is about this thumbnail that makes it so watched? And I'm like, well, without ever seeing the story, I'm going to go ahead and say, Kelsey looks great. <laughs> I think the title is, like, fingered. Is this it about getting fingered? Well, you know, what's funny is it got um, like shadow banned on YouTube after a while because there was a period of time where it was just like the views kept going up and up and up and then it hit this random plateau out of nowhere where it like was just not even budging at all. And it was, we figured out because it was called homemade dildo, (laughs) (laughs) which initially when they're asking you, hey, what do you think, what, what would you like your clip to be called? You're thinking, well, what is true for this story and what is gonna get people to watch this? And, you know, homemade dildo, if there isn't clickbait, I don't know what it, like, you know, that's a pretty clickbaity thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, also, I didn't think of the other end of that, that it's, well, it's YouTube, it's not Pornhub. So if you just straight up put homemade dildo in the title, like, you might trip some wires up. And apparently we did. And so they changed it then to homemade sex toy. And it crossed 2 million views, but it's like, I don't think it will ever completely come off of whatever that shadow ban was i think we like fucked it up with homemade dildo but i mean hey two million views is exciting and more yeah. than I. my most watched video is called accidental butt stuff so they're like why did this video do so well for hannah and everyone's like because it's called accidental butt stuff like everyone <laughs> it's the same thing not nobody has to like sherlock holmes this this is like pretty evident why yeah yeah well, it's funny, too, because uh, one of the comments on mine, it was like, they put it on this variety article, it's just the thumbnail. Right. But at the time, I was like, my heaviest I had been, and like, whatever. I just looked heavier, and the first comment was, who is this fat girl? And I was like, well, we know it's the title that got the clicks. Oh, like, God. Sorry. you ever read your comments? Bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> of course, of course I've made that horrible mistake and try to learn from it. And then like, sometimes if I'm getting a little like emotional cutty, I'll like click on something. But yeah, I mean, the comment sections are insane. Yeah. So I, I did in the beginning and then I stopped because it was, yeah, it was taking, speaking of self-worth, like it was taking so much of my self-worth. And I was like, why am I letting these people who like probably live in their parents' basement, which I did for three months. So I don't know why I'm throwing stones, but like, <laughs> why am I giving them so much of my life and so much of my emotional capacity when I don't even know these people. And also they're very sad to be commenting on a YouTube video. If you're an, are over 15 commenting on a YouTube video, you need to get a hobby or a job or like a boyfriend. Period. Period. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I had a really, maybe this will make you feel better. When I started opening for gym on tour, there's a group, there's like a Reddit group, a sub thread, that's from the old XM radio show that Jim used to be a part of. And that group of people on Reddit are kind of like notorious internet trolls. Like they are known for being particularly venomous. And someone just like posted a thread that was like, this is who Norton's new opener is. Like, let's go like basically destroy her on YouTube. And they just like put in links of my stand-up videos that I had up at the time. And one day my phone just was like blowing up with YouTube notifications of all these comments that were so horrible. Like they just bombed my videos with hate, all these thumbs down, all these hate comments. There were like Reddit sub threads of called like Kelsey Cook five head where they would just like Photoshop more foreheads onto my forehead I mean, because Amy Schumer opened for Jim Norton, and then, like, I mean, she got so much hate, but, like, the same kind of thing of, like, people going and bombing her stuff. Yes. But it's weird because they're they're fans of Jim, right? They are fans of Jim, but some of them, I think some of them aren't, it's kind of confusing, because, you know, I talked about it with him when that happened, but, um, yeah, it's it's such a strange group of people. Like I said, touring from him, I have gotten so many great fans from touring with him that are genuinely like nice people but it also kind of put me in this position to be seen by certain people that didn't know me and those like the troll people were the ones who just brutal like I ended up getting I had um I used to have like a, a mole on in the middle of my forehead here I had one here and I had one on the edge of my lip and people would like photoshop Jim's face onto my moles and like give me like uh, so much shit about like the one on my lip all like all this stuff and I just for myself wanted them I didn't like them and I wanted them gone for a long time so I had them removed like a year ago but also for medical reasons like being in LA and I've I've had a lot of moles removed because I'm pasty and Irish and at risk for skin cancer yeah. so it's like a safe smart move anyway but yeah like you deal with so much crazy shit online from Internet. Yeah, I got Invisalign, so I feel that. I, <laughs> I was so tired of being like, what's with her going on with her teeth? And I had braces. It's just like this one kind of moved forward. Oh, I, I like, never, oh, I always thought your teeth were beautiful. I never noticed anything. Well, thank you. But I've yeah. always been self-conscious about this one tooth that kind of fell forward because I lost my retainer. Oh, and, yeah. and then when people were like, what's going on with her fucking tooth? Like, I can't even listen to her speak because of her fucking tooth. And I was <sighs> like, God damn it, I'm fixing this fucking tooth. <laughs> it's hard yeah it's horrible but it's also like crazy to me that someone would take the time to photoshop something on your mole when it's like 
how long did that take you? Like, what the fuck are you doing all day where you can just photo, Photoshop is very difficult. As someone who's tried to do it, I, I'm horrible at Photoshop. So right. it's almost flatter. I mean, it's not flattering, but it's almost flattering in a way of like, that takes a long time. So it's for crazy. you to do that is like, you are obsessed with me. Why are it's you obsessed crazy. with me? Yeah, it's kind of like you said, anybody who takes the time to leave shitty YouTube comments, you're like, what is happening in your life that you would even think to exert that energy when you could be doing literally anything else yeah my friend tried to make me feel better she was like hannah like some of your stuff i don't find funny but could you imagine like if i wrote something like why would i do that and i was like that doesn't really make me feel better yeah. but <laughs> i'm like who's this a good friend i don't know if I'm, i don't know if i like her <laughs> but your parents do watch your comedy then mostly yeah you're they do dirty. sometimes you're dirty but you're not like overly dirty yeah i I'm, i guess i'm happy you think that because there's times where i'm like like if I were to compile all my dirty bits and just do them in one set, if somebody saw that for the first time, I'm sure they'd be like, wow, damn, that is, that's a lot. But I, again, it's like, I, I get self-conscious if the whole set is like that. And so I try to be mindful of it and save some things for the end. Or if I do a dirty joke, then I try and do a clean one a little bit after it or something. But I used to be a lot dirtier and the thought of working toward either like performing at colleges or doing a late night set to me seemed very daunting because I just like didn't have the skill set. Yeah. And honestly, it's not even, it's like, it's sometimes it's a skill set people don't fucking want and that's totally fine too. Like you don't need to ever work clean if you don't want to. But I think for me, I just, it was like a challenge for myself. I was like, I want to see if I can do this, but I have jokes about, you know, people coming on cupcakes and, you know, eating ass and stuff like that. So yeah, I I'm, can definitely be very R-rated. But. You're human, you know, yeah. you come on cupcakes to eat ass. But I, yeah. I feel like I did see that bit about you coming on a cupcake. Oh, I didn't come on a cupcake. I had um, a friend of mine told me that her boyfriend comes on cupcakes and she eats them. And it was like that friend in the group that you just would never, ever suspect would do something like that. And it blew my brains out. And so I had to write a joke about it. Yeah. I feel like, Kelsey, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but you would be that friend where you're like, if your boyfriend came on a cupcake, I'd be like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> like you think that, like you can't picture me doing that? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's but I guess like I can't picture a lot of people do it. Like <laughs> that's pretty know. extreme. But I mean, like that's not a run-of-the-mill sexual activity. But yeah, that's funny. It's like a lot of work too. You know, I don't even keep the lights on, so I don't know how someone's baking. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've tried, and I've like I'm now almost trying to write like a remix of that joke because I love telling it, but I don't. I feel like I should shouldn't keep doing because it it's on an album now. But I just feel like there's always more to be said about it because it's so absurd. Where like I just like as a lover of baked goods, I just I'm like, why would you ruin dessert like that? Like yeah. that just feels like such a weird thing to do, and also because it's not meant to be like slowly savored in that way. Like come is it's. I was saying with Josh Wolford, it's like, it's like meant to be taken like a shot of Cuervo. It's like Burbank to JFK, like no layover. Like we're not stopping in Phoenix, like fucking get it back. Like, you know what I mean? Well, when I you think of come on a cupcake, I think of if you put on an icing too fast and then it yes. melts. Yes. And that's the well, fucking worst. And that's what it would look like. Drip it. It's like dripping everywhere. I, oh. What was her reasoning she did that? It just was brought up because we, I used to have a, a podcast before Self Helpless where I would ask guests what like their most embarrassing sex story was. And someone was like, oh, like you should have her on. And I was like, why? 
and she was like, I don't know. I mean, sometimes like we do stuff, and I'm like, what? And she's like, I don't know, like with food. And again, I'm like, I don't know what the like what like whipped cream or something. And she's like, no, like she like comes on a cupcake, and then I like eat it. I was like, whoa, what? Like it was truly shocking. Yeah, but then you have to think of like sour cream and onion and cheddar chips. Like those are so delicious. Yes. And that wasn't made by per- on purpose. You know what I mean? That's a good point. <laughs> but when your when your parents come to your shows, do you do these bits where you're uh-huh. like, because I do dirty stuff too, and my parents yeah. are in the audience, and I'm always like looking right over their heads. I'm like, I'm not gonna look my dad in the eye. Well, right. Not, you know, like I'm just right. not. Do you just like avoid them during sexual bits, yep. or do you avoid them the whole time? I pretty much avoid them the whole time. I mean. I have jokes about my parents and sometimes I'll kind of like shoot them a glance because it's like they're out of love. I like, will like kind of like look and see how they're reacting to it. But like sex stuff, I have to pretend like my dad is not there, but I still do him. I mean, he knows I'm like, I'm, I would love for you to be here, but like, I'm not going to change my act because you're here because it's like this is my job I'm gonna do my job yeah that's how I feel well people will always say to me like what do your parents think of your material like already it offends them and I'm like yeah. okay with it like I wouldn't do something that upsets my parents on per- well I guess I have done something that upsets my parents but I <laughs> also can't imagine a world where I would go to my my parents would come to me and be like I don't feel comfortable with you talking about this because I saw Austin Powers when I was like six, you know what I mean? Like my parents are very heavily exposed me to sexual stuff early and my dad's yeah. very inappropriate. So it's like, yeah, I get it from somewhere. I didn't, you know, come out of like- I was just gonna say that. It's like, well, they raised me. Like <laughs> this didn't just like, I'm not like a Build-A-Bear that like some other family created. And then my parents are like, who the fuck is this? Like you taught me yeah. like that. It's like funny to joke about stuff like this or, you know. Yeah. What, who's funnier, your mom or your dad? They're both hilarious in like two very different ways. I feel like my mom is super, like this is, I guess this is something I talked about in the Epic special. This was a brand new joke, but she'll, she's such like a stage mom. Mine too. Where, yours too? Uh-huh. Okay. Where she just like, she doesn't understand that there are different levels of fame within comedy. She thinks that like we're all, everybody's just like tight. And so she regularly says things to me like, why don't you call Jerry Seinfeld and ask to do comedians in cars getting coffee? It's like, yeah, why don't I call Jer Bear and just up with Joe? Like she, she'll say that to me or I have my foosball show, Risk of Fury on YouTube. And which just that sentence, it's like, okay. In the hierarchy of comedians, I have a foosball web series on YouTube, okay? Anybody else who hears that who's in the business is like, okay, that's where that, li- it's not on NBC or whatever. It's like, it's a YouTube show. My mom, when I started doing it, she goes, you know who I bet would love to do your YouTube show, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> it's like, you bet, huh? <laughs> well, put some money on it. Cause I bet she fucking wouldn't, you know, like she, shit like that, where she's so almost like has like lost her marbles in that way that it's hilarious to me. Like when I got divorced, she sent me a text. I was like, now that you're single, you can go on The Bachelor or Miss America. Wait, you're going to be single to be on Miss America? No, no that's why it's funny to be more like, likable. Good yeah, I don't, but that's why to me, I'm like, that's so funny because you're like so out of your mind with that shit where like you think that's, that's what's been holding me. Like that's what's been between me and the title of Miss America. And I was married. <laughs> Like, not the other 47,000 reasons. Yeah. Uh, 
No, my mom does the same thing. I don't tell her anymore if I have like a maybe deal, you know, like things in, in contract or like in development yes. and then it gets canceled or like gets tossed. So I stopped telling my mom until it's a done deal because she'll be like, so what's going on? Are you selling it to Netflix? Are you going to be on Netflix? And I'll be like, no, I like, no. And I once had a meeting at like an agency and uh, they passed and it was so stressful because every day she'd be like, did you hear from them? Did you hear from them? And I'd be like, no, I didn't. And like, I'm trying to forget about it, but you keep yes. calling me and it's making me feel worse. And so I just can't tell my mom literally anything until it's done because, and it's not mean spirited. She wants me to be, you know, she's excited, but it's like, you don't understand that this is, so this business is so devastating as it is that like I don't need my mom being like did you get it did you get it it's like I already have that in my own head oh I'm so glad that you can relate with that and that I can relate to you because it's yeah it's it you feel kind of like a bitch getting mad about it because they're just like they're excited for you and they're supportive but you're like this makes me feel so bad about myself that like yeah. that I have to continually be reminded that like this thing that I told you might happen, ended up not. Or again, she doesn't understand how TV works where like she'll see a comedian on a show and be like, I just saw so-and-so on, I don't even know, whatever is like a sitcom type of show. And I, why don't, why aren't you on it? Can't you get on it? And yeah. it's like, first of all, like, I don't, it's not healthy for me to necessarily know like all of my colleagues who are on these shows. Like, I don't need to know that. But two, like, it's, hard for her to just be like can't you get on it why aren't you on it it's like well because if I was supposed to be on it I would have been on it like my manager that I'm sitting here twiddling their thumbs is like you know they make money too like we're all yeah yeah because then you I would blow up at my mom she's like why are you mad and I'm like you're right like I shouldn't be mad at you I'm frustrated with this thing and like you're bringing it up and I'm frustrated by it so yeah. I shouldn't be taking it on you, but also like, shut the fuck up. But also please, for the love of God, stop. Yeah, I've tried, like that has been a fight I've had with my mom over and over and over. And you, you feel so bad having that fight with them, but it's just like, it's hard for them to understand those trigger points of like, this is going to upset me. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Do you have like a helicopter mom? Yeah. Yeah, same. And I'd say that with love. I'm like, I kind of have a helicopter mom and I'll say that and she'll be like, no, you don't. Like, don't say that about me. And I'm like, it's, I don't mean to be mean, but you call me. Some people are like, oh yeah, I talk to my mom maybe once a week, once every two weeks. I'm like, what? If I don't talk to my mom every day or every other day, she's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? I, we have the same mom, apparently. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I have a very, my mom and I have a very codependent relationship and I'm trying to find healthier boundaries with, with both of us, with each other. Cause it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's hard too. Cause it is nice when you like, you know, when you do it to them of like, I need your help with this. It's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be calling my mom for help with certain things, but like, I don't know how to, you know, I don't, I don't have a boyfriend really ever. So I'm like, I don't know how to fucking work with this, you know, electric. Right or whatever I'm like right. I have to call my mom but I also need to be an adult and not do that so then when she called me about stuff I feel bad being like bitch don't do that because I was just like you literally just called me to help you like with your water so don't talk to me <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah I I hear you but is your mom is your mom remarried she's not remarried um <laughs> again sorry <laughs> I don't want to like run a bunch of bits on the podcast. It's just you are asking things that are like, I, it's so funny. I'm just writing bits about so many things you're asking about. Oh, I but love writing bits on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I try to avoid it at all costs, but fuck it, whatever. Like I am single now 
for the first time in uh, almost a decade. And so I am figuring out dating apps because I had missed all of that in my early 20s. But my mom, my mom lives in Spokane and like anytime she's tried online dating, the only men that pop up look like actual wizards, like just full, long white beards holding a trout. Every dude, every dude in Spokane looks like that. So I would love for my mom to meet somebody. It's just, it, it sucks that it's dependent very like, you know, geographically on, on where you are. There's not always a great bunch of people in Spokane. How far is Spokane from Seattle? Like four hours. So Spokane <laughs> is the Eastern right on the, Spokane is, is Idaho. It's almost Idaho. Like that is more the demographic. Uh, Seattle is, Seattle's very like Portland, you know, Pacific North, like Granola, more. Whereas, so you consider yourself more Midwest then? I think a lot of people assume I'm from the Midwest because Spokane is more of that energy of like, I don't know, a little more small town mentality of just everybody's like really nice to everybody, but also you're close to Idaho. So you get like for a long time, Spokane was the meth capital of America. Nice. So a lot of like white trash and obviously like my family coming from foosball I feel like I've got like a lot of white trash in me and, and my family which you know I love and embrace but yeah it's yeah, not I mean, that's a cool thing to own it is like I'm like <laughs> such a unique thing that's cool but thanks little mid- I guess midwest I don't know I do cornhole I feel like that's in the same world nice nice yeah it's I don't even know what if, foosball regionally would be if it's midwest or not but it's it certainly doesn't feel like some cool metropolitan sport it's like a it's a bar sport it's it is a little more trashy yeah wait so can you talk about dating or do you not want to so I got into such a serious relationship so young and had had a couple serious ones before that that now at 31 I'm like okay like I want to use my time wisely I I don't really have any interest in just like casually date, like hooking up with people. I don't, I just don't have an interest in doing that. I just want to make sure that whatever my next relationship is, that I'm being very mindful of like, is this somebody that I really feel meets what I'm looking for in somebody? So clearly you're a relationship person then, which is yeah, good. Yeah. That's why it's weird for me to be um, just like straight up single for the first time in so long, because I have tended to get out of a relationship, kind of like meet somebody, start another relationship, but it's good. I, th- I Creatively, I'm getting so much more done. Like it sucks to have a lot of isolation and quarantine, but it does force you to be like, well, fuck, we're going to write because what else are we going to do? Yeah, I feel like that's, it's good, you know, and I feel like a lot of people I know quarantine because I'm going to ask you your crazy bitch of the week, um, cool. yeah, but um, okay. the crazy bitch of the week is, uh, I was going to say, is people applying to grad school because I feel like so many people I know are going back to school. My cousin is going to be an environmentalist. I love my cousin so much, but I was like, you smoke cigarettes. Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't know where this is going. Like, everyone's like yeah. changing who they are in this quarantine, and I, I yeah. think it's healthy. It's like giving you perspective, but it's also just like, people are really changing and like going back to school or like changing their careers or like getting out of relationships or getting into new relationships. And it maybe is the best time. It's like a reset. Yeah, for sure. So it's probably good to be single now. It's like the hardest time and also like a a good time in a lot of ways, especially because I have, I know people who are in relationships right now and they're quarantined with their partner and it's really hard. 
And I feel like it's grass is always greener, right? If you're single right now, you're like, fuck, I wish I had somebody. It sounds so nice. And then if you're in a relationship, I feel like some of my friends look at me and they're like, fuck, I wish I was single living in a studio apartment and just had my own space. So it kind of depends. Yeah. Like I, my vibrator died based on like old age. So that will show oh, you. Oh, it passed away. <laughs> yeah. It literally, I was like, I did a little burial. I was like, man, I really, I'm really alone on this one. But, oh, so sorry. But, Rest in peace. RIP. Um, do you have a crazy bitch of the week? It was so funny. Cause I, I couldn't think of one and I literally just Googled crazy people in the news. And of course, <laughs> like, like 50 things from Florida pop up naturally. I was just going to say something crazy in general that's happening is that I went and got a bikini wax in a tent outside today. Okay, I saw your Instagram story and I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, which I just feel like is just that that's even happening right now is so crazy to me. But the thing, I started getting waxes, it must have been in like December, but they tell you once you start sugaring that like you need to do it every month so that the hair follicle doesn't grow back because you yeah. want to like damage it to the point. It's so fucking masochistic, the shit we do to our pubic hair. But it's like <laughs> you want to destroy the follicle and damage it so it like, never grows back again. And if you don't do it every four weeks, it will continue to grow back. And so women in LA are like, we are trying to figure, that's why they have a fucking tent outside because the city knows like these women need to not let those four weeks go by or else <laughs> you're in a world of pain where your follicle grows back and then it's it's just a nightmare so yeah I got my pubic hair ripped out in a tent in like 85 degrees today with like hot wax just like <laughs> were you wearing sunglasses because there was no ceiling on that thing right oh there was a ceiling it was like a covered tent <laughs> but I did I did wear sunglasses <laughs> Also, just because I'm like, I just don't want like anybody to like look into my eyes as this is happening because it's just so, I might start wearing sunglasses when it comes back to being indoors because it's like, this is so weird. I'm just spread eagle for this woman ripping my pubes out. And you can't scream because it's like so out in the open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've just been rocking full bush. You know what I mean? For like you. Well, there was a four month period of time where the salons were not open at all, like not for outside tents or indoor things. And yeah, I... I did a bit about that on the special where it's like I lost a cat in the divorce and gained something that looked like a cat on my crotch like <laughs> long-haired breed Maine Coon definitely a rescue like have to feed was, it have to feed it it was yeah I mean four months with like no like nothing happening yeah that's no bueno yeah well good for you for uh keeping up with it I guess Taming the beast yeah yeah you. And the last question I always ask is, um, do you have one secret you don't want your mom to know? Or your future kids? Do you want kids? I don't know. I mean, right. now that I'm single, especially, it's kind of, I feel like so much of your desire to have kids depends on who you're with. Yeah. And so uh, I think I'm, my ex would have been an amazing dad, but he and I both together, we were kind of like, I just don't know if we, if we want that. Um, I'm still on the fence. How about you? I'm on the fence. Yeah. It's so much of it is a big question mark for me. And I've, I've heard so many people be like, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no, where I really, like, I, if I have them, I want to truly feel like, even if it's hard, I like want to know that I was wanting to do this. And right now I don't feel that way. Yeah. I said no for so long. And now that I'm like, I'm 28. So I'm like, I feel like maybe once I'm in like, I want to maybe freeze my eggs. So when I'm in my late thirties, I might want to have a kid because I can't yeah. imagine being in my like 
50s without him. <laughs> like, I don't want my yeah. whole life to be comedy in a way. You know, it's so come and go, and, like, you don't know what's going to happen. And, like, right. I don't want to have to be, like, my whole life is my career, and then that goes away, and right. it's not even really popping right now. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Right. I would love yeah. to have a family, I think. But also, I'm not with anyone, so it's hard to be like, yeah, I want kids with this gust of wind like I don't like what do you do my dead vibrator yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um but do you have a secret that like you sent me this question in like the pre-email and I really try to think about it and I don't I don't think there is because my relationship with my mom is so close that she knows everything like in the manicure tool story the homemade dildo story I talk about that she is who I had to go tell that I did this thing with her manicure tool that I stuck it up my vagina to try and see what sex felt like because I didn't, I wasn't able to drive myself to the clinic. I had to have her drive me. So she knows. How old were you when you stuck that? It was like a, it was like a hand, right? 15. No, it was, it looked like a dildo, but it was a manicure tool. Like you would put little tools on the little attachments to like buff your nails, but the crazy mom just had one of those. Well, it came in this like spa set. There was a, it, there was a foot bath. And then as a bonus, you got this manicure tool thing, but it, I've since looked it up on the internet and it's, there's no way as a teenage girl, you're not sticking that inside you. It's like tapered and curved. It just, it looks like that's what you're supposed to do with it. And all my friends were losing their virginity. I hated feeling left out. I wanted to just like know what that felt like and you know you do crazy things when you're 15 and figure out you have a hole and <laughs> I had to, I just had to tell my mom I did it and so she know like the things that m- most people would be like oh I could never my mom could never know she she knows all that so I don't I know it's anticlimactic but I don't I don't think there's anything that she doesn't know I mean the fact that you stuck a nail buffer up your vagina and had to you know got fucked you up I think that would be the secret most people have but you totally. just have an open my friend has an open book with their mom some people do they have that relationship my mom gets mad at me if I like you know whatever I had to tell her when I got herpes I was like if you you cannot get mad at me yeah <laughs> that's gonna make it worse and then yes. she did. but I had to I had to say that like you can't get angry because this isn't your problem to deal yeah. with exactly exactly like you're you're gonna give me a flare-up if you get angry <laughs> with me like if yeah. I get an outbreak this is on you so like watch yourself yeah and I will sit on your face I'm not <laughs> so. oh um, well, thank you so much for doing this oh great. thanks for having me it was fun to just like get to know you more I talk to you more yeah I like feel like I know I might feel like I know you because of social media I think and we've done shows together but yeah, yeah. we definitely like sat down and talked so it was cool talking yeah. to you yeah so nice talking to you too you want to plug your handles? Sure. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Cook Comedy. Uh, my website's KelseyCook.com. TikTok is Kelsey Cook Comedy, I believe, too. And my, uh, my podcast is Self Helpless. And my foosball web series is called Risks of Fury. So go check them out. So exciting.